Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. This episode is a continuation of the September Beetlejuice Takeover. It's a little two-part bonus episode that I'm sneaking into October because, well, it's Beetlejuice and it's a show about death and Halloween's coming up, so why not? This is part one with Elliot Maddox, Ramon Owens, and Dana Steingold who are all ensemble members in the show. And this is now actually my second ensemble-focused episode, the first one being from the prom takeover back in May. And I just absolutely love the energy and the feeling of family that the ensemble, that this many people bring together. They've been through so much, and they're telling stories about each other and recalling memories together. And, and as one person says something, the other's eyes light up as they're remembering it. It's just, uh, it's so much fun to sit here quietly and actually actually watch them all talk to each other during this interview. So it's a, it's really a pleasure to be a part of. And I just want to emphasize again how difficult ensemble members have it in the business in terms of having to memorize multiple roles and multiple tracks and, so, and do all these costume changes. And then we got into this a little bit specifically because of sort of the mixed reviews that came out of the DC out-of-town tryout. But having that many people who have to know that many tracks and do that many roles, all having to change and learn multiple things. They're rehearsing for for version A in the afternoon, performing version B in the evening, and then maybe teching version C the next day. It's just, it's incredible the amount of knowledge that these people have stored in their brains. It's just an incredible interview. And part two gets into National Coming Out Day because that was a couple days ago in the timeline of when we record this. They all have some great stories and some great advice, uh, even recounting their own coming out, which was just incredible. So before we get into part one here, I want to mention Cheryl Hodges Selden, who, if you're listening, hi, Cheryl. She was the latest patron to support at the $30 tier, which of course gets her mentioned in the shout out here. And uh, she also got some swag that I sent her from the Broadway flea market and a couple other benefits, of course, that uh, you can see by visiting ttp.fm slash Patreon. Finally, please visit broadwaypodcastnetwork.com to find me and many other amazing podcasts. And now please enjoy part one of this bonus episode with Elliot Maddox, Ramon Owens, and Dana Steingold. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. This episode is actually a special bonus episode continuing September's Beetlejuice Takeover. And I have the pleasure of talking to three of the amazing ensemble members from the show, Elliot Maddox, Ramon Owens, and Dana Steingold. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Thanks for having us. Dana, did I say that? Steingold or Steingold? Steingold. Steingold. No, you were right. right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So you guys are all part of the amazing ensemble that makes up this amazing show that is Beetlejuice. How many different roles do you all play? 
Um, I, I think I have like what like eight or nine costume changes, but I think that some of them are the same costumes. Yeah. So like seven, eight different characters. Yeah, yeah. About seven, eight different characters. Maybe costumes about four or five characters. Yeah. Uh huh. And I basically just play the Girl Scout, but then I'm inside of a lot of boxes puppeteering <laughs> throughout the rest of the show. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. the puppeteering. So yeah. they get they get ensemble. Do you have puppeteering experience? I do. I did have new cue for a year and a half. Oh, so, right. Yeah, and I think it sort of came into play in development, and they thought like, oh, we could bring in puppets, and who might know how to use puppets? And then the second to last lab, Michael Curry said, hey, Dana, are you claustrophobic? And I said, N- no. <laughs> and he was like, cool, cool, come with me to the other room. And he was like, this is the box we're going to put you in. <laughs> <laughs> so, Yes. Are, you, are you allowed to say what puppet you do? Yeah, yeah, I do the shrunken head and I do the pig in the dinner party. With the shrunken head, I thought that was on top of a person. Is there it is. A- it is, but it is puppeted. It's a puppet. It's it's like a, almost like football gear that sits on my shoulders and then it attaches to my head and I operate all the movements. And then my lower half is obviously the remaining portion. You've just blown my mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, yeah, so you mentioned you mentioned you're the you're the Girl Scout. Is that um, one of your favorite roles? Well, it's my only role in this play. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's been like kind of a dream to create something. And I think it's really rare that you get to go from like the very first reading and you think you're doing something right and, you, you know, you hope. Uh, and then you get to see it all the way through to Broadway. That's, I think, pretty rare. So there's a handful of us. There's five of us who've been here since the first reading, I think. Uh, and that's been really, really fun. Elliot and Ramona, have you guys been from the first reading, or when did you get involved? I I was involved from the first lab. So from the first lab, um, like two years ago, I've been with with the show since then. So I came on later. There's I'm the only person that came on at the lab and has been on, and been there through. Um, so that's been a really cool experience too. Yeah. Oh, cool, Ramona. Yeah, and I joined for the DC out of town tryout last August. Oh, so you've been pretty recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty new to the experience. Were they adding? Were they adding ensemble as they went, or were there people that just didn't travel from from the reading to the lab to the to DC and all that? It was more the second scenario. Yeah, a little of both. I think they were sort of figuring out as you do in development coverage and who mm-hmm. had to be an internal cover and what track would have to you know puppeteer, et cetera, and like who would be how many vocal parts you need. So I think that sort of shifted, but I think it was a little of both. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I guess coming from uh, uh, the corporate background that I've got, I always think of like, it's so hard to get headcount and so hard to get extra staffing and grow your team. But it's like <laughs> when you're putting together a show, it's just something completely different yeah. of like, oh, well, that person, she's literally going to be put in a box. Mm-hmm. She can't make it out of her shrunken head in time to get over there. All right, let's hire And now something that is like, kind of cool if you think about like the legacy of theater like for however long Beetlejuice runs let's say 20 years is reasonable Um, (laughs) (laughs) like Dana's track will forever be based on Dana's stature her skill sets so they're always gonna have to find someone like five foot that can puppet 
that can also play the Girl Scout. Like, and play Lydia. And understudy yeah. Lydia. Yeah. Lydia. Yeah, it's, it's, so, yeah, yeah. it's really awfully specific at this point. But yeah. I'm, right. I'm sure, as there always is, 50 more people out there sure. who could do I it. But. actually don't know what they're going to do when it's time to replace because everybody in our ensemble and cast yeah. is so specific. Mm-hmm. I tell my students all the time, like, you could walk in and sound great. But if you can't fit inside of this box, like, <laughs> the job is not for you. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you teach? Oh, you know, master classes. Yeah. I usually teach with a couple of other corporations that do theater arts education, usually. But you just always say, make sure you don't get you get muscular, but not too muscular, because you got <laughs> well, because you got to fit in a box. Yeah. So many kids take it so personally yeah. about like yeah. not getting parts and not getting jobs. I'm like, it's not about your talent. I'm like, you it's could again so be rarely. so amazing, but if you can't fit in a box mm-hmm. you know like, and I think people also don't like to acknowledge luck because yeah. it feels yeah. like it diminishes your abilities but yeah. there's so much luck involved in this like I always say it's such a miracle when you get a job because so many people in the room have to say yes and agree mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah. I always try to like step away from it and just do my best yeah. and then go away it's harder That's sometimes than do, others but you know? yeah there's a lot of stories that I hear uh, from people on this podcast specifically that are that are just They've gotten the roles when they don't care, if that makes sense. That usually happens, I feel like. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like you go in, you go in, you're like, I just, I'm, I'm just going to do my thing. You make mm-hmm. your choices, you leave, and then that's what you get. But the ones you really, really want, that's the ones that, that you don't get because you're not being yeah. authentic, I guess. Is well, that- I think there's, I think there's a certain <clears throat> kind of like, some may say aloofness, but there's a certain kind of like confidence and a, um, like a... You know, when you're being cast in a show, it's the show, Broadway shows cost millions and millions of dollars. So these people are trusting you with millions of dollars on your back. And if you have a nervous energy or like you have like a kind of desperate energy for something, then that does not give the people confidence to put their money on you. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're investing. It's part of what they're putting together and they want to trust you and they want to make sure that like when you have to learn a new number and a new dance in one day and do it that night that you're not going to be a nervous wreck that you're going to be calm calm, cool and collected so that like that ease I think is what kind of um that comes from is like the not caring It, it just comes off as an ease, a comfort, and um, a confidence. Yeah, especially yeah. when it's a new show. Because a new mm-hmm. show, you're really investing. You're going to be spending a long time with this group mm-hmm. of people. Right. And I will say this group is one of the most well-put-together. Mild-mannered. Uh, mild-mannered. Yeah. groups of energy. Yeah, yes. like everyone, <laughs> I would describe it as a lot of people who take their job seriously, but no one takes themselves too seriously, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is a really good balance because everyone does the work and shows up and gives 100% every day. But also we all laugh at ourselves a lot yeah. and nobody takes themselves very seriously. It's also the nature of our show too. Like yeah. it's so wacky. It's so crazy. You have to have a light spirit. And I think to bring that to work and just kind of, you know, take yourself out of it yeah, makes it more fun. What is a show about death? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a literal show about death. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's it seems like to 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 continue to what am I trying to say? In order to maintain uh the energy and the levity of everything, mm-hmm. you have to be very serious. But if you get too serious, then it you know it's not fun anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean I think you look at the look at the show itself. It's it's these serious things that people deal with all the time, loss 
um, <clears throat> feeling stuck in your life, you know, the relationships, like being stuck, all these different things. And it's done with, with, um, with crude humor and, and inappropriate jokes and things that like a lot of us use to deal with those things yeah. in real life. Yeah. So if you're taking yourself too seriously, then you're not actually in the kind of environment of, of yeah. the show. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a lot of what they did in like putting this cast together, like so painstakingly for years, if people didn't, you know, if that's why the cast changed so much, mm -hmm. I think from the beginning of development to where we are now is that they really cared about putting the right kind of people yeah. in the building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and well, you, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's wild because all of us are also so different too. So to have so many different types of energies and people in one space that kind of work magic is pretty awesome. And I don't know how they did it, but. <laughs> and also yeah. you guys are incredibly skilled. Like as someone on the outside who is not part of the, the, greater dance ensemble mm -hmm. what all of you are doing is so insane oh yeah, yeah. it Wild. is so it is crazy, crazy. Yeah. and truly so unique yeah it's what you were saying before Ramon that I don't know how they're going to replace any of you because <laughs> yeah. I've never done a show I can I can honestly say with dancers who are also brilliant actors and comedians and physical comedians it's like they're clowns and you can't yeah. like I yeah. watch someone different every day because mm -hmm. everyone's doing such amazing and really layered work yeah. in ensemble <laughs> dance numbers, yeah. which is not always, I don't, I don't think that's the norm. Yeah. Right. Well, where did your, where did your dance background come from? Like, t tell me about your, your beginnings. Like you grew up, I think in the Midwest, Elliot. Kind of. Yeah. Kentucky. Kentucky is like a weird, like Midwest Southern hybrid, like geographically it's the Midwest, mm -hmm. but, um, I would say like the mindset is very much Southern there. So I feel like culturally it's very Southern. Um, but I grew up, I started dancing when I was like, I think in third grade is when I took my first dance class. Um, and then just kind of like got the hang of it really quick, figured it out and um, dove in deep right away. So late, I think <clears throat> for, for some people, some people start when they're like so young, but oh, I, yeah. I kind of started at that sweet spot where I was like, I knew what, I knew kind of like what was going on. It was, I didn't like waste any time with like, tinker toe like just like oh. keep your kids busy for an hour you know <laughs> um so yeah but I, I danced all through all through you know elementary middle school high school and then um had a lot of great dance training in college as well was I grew up in the south too and and it was frowned upon to do things in the arts sure yeah I mean definitely less um opportunity there I had to like research like um, I had to go to the opportunities. Like it wasn't easy. Like I had to, it was like a half an hour to the dance studio and an hour to the performing arts school and all those kind of things were far away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that makes you also like decide if you want to take them seriously because yeah. it's a lot of extra time and money. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in a small town where people either didn't get it or they were fully supportive. So, um, I was lucky to have, um, both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for everyone that didn't get it, there were people that were seeing every recital I ever did and showing their support and still do to this day. So you just gotta... Do you have any siblings? I do. I have yeah. an older brother and a younger sister. And they... So you're right in the middle. Right in the middle. Uh, did Were they supported? Were your parents were like, oh, I gotta do another hour drive? Yeah. Or do they, no. they were cool? My parents were completely and insanely supportive. Like they were, I don't know 
what possessed them to be as supportive uh-huh. as they were. But, <laughs> but um, you know, my dad would wake up and take me to carpool at 6.30 before he went to work. <laughs> I mean, it was That's wild yeah. um, how supportive they were. But, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I, you know, I, I because of that, gained a lot of skill and, mm-hmm. and work ethic early on um, because of their support. Allowing me to gain that work ethic was was due to them. Cool. And Ramon, you have a similar story? Uh, No, actually. I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, born and raised. So I started doing theater in middle school. I was like, let me join the drama club. I did Hello, Dolly was our spring musical that year. (laughs) Ramon loves Hello, Dolly. (laughs) Favorite show ever. (laughs) I literally quote Dolly Levi like every day. Are you going to go see Carolee? Are you going to go see Carolee in the tour? I probably won't be able to see her, but I love her and I'm sure she's fabulous. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just did the shows in middle school. In my middle school, we would go see shows at a high school, performing arts high school. Um, in West LA, Hamilton High School, where I ended up going, actually. Uh, They had a really great music academy. Um, And I was there for the musical theater program, but you could choose so many other electives. So I ended up doing dance because I didn't want to take PE. Um, And I knew that dance would help me like get better parts in the shows. So I ended up doing dance and choir and everything else, really. Um, Yeah, and it was pretty intense because our dance teacher at my high school was headmaster at Debbie Allen Dance Academy. So a lot oh, of those wow. students would come train at our high school. It was a public high school, public yeah. like performing arts high school. Um, so it was pretty intense. Um, yeah, and then from there, I applied to college and got into school for theater. Had really intense dance training there where I took my first ballet classes, actually. Um, yeah, and I guess the rest is history. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah. interesting. I guess on the, on the West Coast, obviously, being in the arts is a little more accepted... Yeah, uh, it, like I, I think I would be in a much <clears throat> different place if I was a kid on, that grew up on the West Coast instead oh, yeah. of like in the South because I, 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 I fell prey to the stigma of like, mm-hmm. well, he's dancing, he's right, you know, yeah, right? sure, because um, I love to sing and the dance and all that, mm-hmm. and then and then yeah. I, the pressure, the social pressure I got, yeah. just made me go the go a different path. It was so wild because my family, like my parents are from South Central LA and Compton, so it was definitely something that was totally alien to my parents like what is he doing? You know, I'm <laughs> sure they would talk in bed at night like what is he? Like, what is this? You know, like I'm in my room singing like seven and a half cents. Oh and like, you know, um, so like my family, my church, it was something that was not understood by them at all. But walking into my high school the first day of school, literally, I saw like a white guy with dreadlocks, a black guy with a huge mohawk, like girls making out, boys holding hands. I was 14 years old and I was like, where am I? Like, it, it was like a dream come true of like, fame. And it, 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 was, it, it yeah. was just like that, quite honestly. Um, so I was so embraced at school and I found like a safe haven in performing arts in that school. Mm-hmm. Um, though my school is about an hour away, you know, I like lied and used someone's address and yes. rode the school bus into, into the city every day. Um, and it kind of worked out, you know? Mm-hmm. And even so, like going to the better dance studios, they were like deeper in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. When my friends learned how to drive, my parents were really, I've got five siblings, mind you. Um, so my mom was really good with like giving my friend $20 for gas money, you know, <laughs> Love and they take me mom. to class. Like seriously, she like was dealing with everyone else and you know, she was yeah, soccer yeah. mom. Um, so yeah, she was really good with just like, who can take you to class? Great, great. Mm-hmm. Here's $20. Thank you so much. You know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's all. Are you, are you older or younger in the line? I'm on the older side of the spectrum. Yeah. I'm number two of six. 
Right. Uh, so wow. my youngest sibling right now is 15, and my older brother is about 17 months older than I am. And how old are you now? 30. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's a big spread. No, it's, it's a very large spread. My parents are retiring soon, and, you know, they've Still only got two more kids in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mom and dad. I know. I know. <laughs> that's fun. And Dana, what about you? Like, I, I'm curious, too, like, where you got at the puppetry as well, but when did you start? Oh, so I grew up in Detroit, <clears throat> well, a suburb of Detroit, and I think I just had a ton of energy, and it's honestly one of those classic stories of we were at a birthday party, and a friend said, I'm going to audition for the King and I at the Jewish Community Center. <laughs> you know, that classic story. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, <laughs> offensively, I thought, I can be in the King and I. <laughs> um, and I went to the audition, and my mom said I she had no idea uh, what I was going to sing. And I said, don't worry, I've got this. And I walked in, and I did an entire um Choreographed routine to part of the uh, part of your world from The Little Mermaid, um, <laughs> and I booked it. Uh, <laughs> and I was Princess Ying Yaoluk, which is honestly like I I'm telling the story, and I recognize how offensive this is, but we were in a different time. We didn't know. We didn't know. I know. <laughs> we I didn't know. No, <laughs> we didn't know. <laughs> and. Um, I remember like bowing the first time and I came off stage and I said like, did you hear them clapping for me? And my mom was like, I don't think that was just for you. (laughs) But take that in. Um, And then I just kind of never stopped. And eventually I found my way to um, a theater camp called Stage Door Manor in the Catskills that I begged my parents to let me go to. And I remember like Ramon walking into high school it was the first time I walked into a place where everybody was singing show tunes and everyone was so insanely gifted and I had never heard other people sing like that, truly. And to be around kindred spirits like that just sort of made me even more passionate about it. And any thought that I had that I wasn't going to do it um, was sort of put away and I just knew that's kind of how I was going to find my way. And then I went to NYU and uh, I actually, the puppetry thing came as a learned skill when I got cast in Avenue Q. It was not something I uh, had learned previously, but I guess just had a slight affinity towards. I still mm-hmm. would never call myself a true puppeteer in the way that I've seen many, many people. Rob McClure, for example, mm-hmm. who uh, was in our cast, uh, played uh, Princeton and also Trekkie, actually, another point. And he is an excellent, excellent puppeteer. Mm-hmm. It's watching him when you see a real puppeteer do it, you're like, oh, okay, that's not something I do, but I do possess a skill set, I suppose. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, um, I guess I forgot that Rob was in Avenue Q as well. Yeah. 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 And so speaking of Rob, you were saying, um, he's the only one so far that's left the cast, right? Uh-huh, so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he went on to, to do, he's going on to do Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. So Very exciting. Good for him. Like, how close are all of you backstage and are you friends outside of of the the stage and all that yeah well and a lot of that a lot of that came from when we we went out of town to dc and we we really were there and with each other all the time working on this thing either rehearsing or you know when you're out of town with the show you make that your community with that show strengthens because you don't have your normal, like your normal support group, your mm-hmm. normal home base. So we really all, um, we really all like connected, I think on a deeper level in DC, but also it's just been kind of, it's just kind of clicked. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a really easy group of people. Mm-hmm. And 
building something is really intimate. Yeah. And you are sort of asked to trust each other in a very specific way very quickly because, like Elliot was speaking of before, we spent – there are numbers we spent redoing and redoing and yeah. redoing and we'd put it up that night and then we'd cut something and move it around. And a lot of it – you know, for example, in one of the numbers, the Netherworld, which got changed mm-hmm. many, many so times, many times. So many I'm times. inside a box <clears throat> and I have no peripheral vision and I'm very close to the edge of the stage. <laughs> yeah. So it's truly a trust exercise mm-hmm. knowing that people are going to watch out for me and not, you know, bump into me. Uh, but I think we all kind of trusted each other. So everything worked yeah. out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And good people there. Again, yeah. there are so many good, like, spirits in the building. Mm-hmm. And it makes, a it just difference. makes it fun. And, and it makes a huge difference. It only takes one bad egg to, like, mm-hmm. stir up a tornado. Yeah, you know, true. like, yes, totally. in a theater, we spend so many hours there. And we spend, we work so closely together that I, again, I don't know how they manage to gather all these wonderful individuals mm-hmm. for this show. A lot of luck. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah truly. Yeah. Have all of you seen seen the movie, the Beetlejuice movie before? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I only I, I only watched it when I was auditioning for it. Same. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, because I, I didn't grow up on it. Um we we didn't really like do my family didn't really like do movies, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. we didn't yeah. really like watch movies. Yeah. And like if I grew up on movies, I grew up on like either Disney movies or literally MGM musicals. Like yeah. that's it. <laughs> like that's all I watched. Mm-hmm. So I don't I didn't really grow up watching Beetlejuice and um yeah, so I, I watched it kind of to get a sense of it, and I was like, this is weird. I did watch the cartoon <laughs> growing up. Like, there was a cartoon yes. for a hot second. I remember more of that than the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would come on Saturday mornings, but my brother and I would watch the cartoon, and I watched the movie literally, like, a week before rehearsal started. I was like, let me just see what I'm about to get myself into. <laughs> you you, know? already, you yeah. already signed your contract. You yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, so you didn't use it for like audition material? No. no. <laughs> the material I got was definitely a lot different. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think our show is like inspired by yeah, yeah, every, yeah. you know, the movie and a little bit the comic mm-hmm. and, you know, but I don't think it's a direct. No. Yeah. No, you it's know. totally reimagined. Yeah, yeah. it's totally reimagined in a really positive way oh, in, what yeah. I, in the way I think a movie should be taken to the stage. Yeah. 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 I like to describe it as like if Beetlejuice were writing his own star vehicle musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very that. Like, it's mm-hmm. not just like putting the movie on stage because right. like nothing really happens in the movie. Nothing it's like, really right. happens. It's just very like, atmospheric yeah. and not and, very plot driven. No, and Beetlejuice is in it for about fifteen minutes. It's nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and they then, gave it so much heart too, which yeah. I love about the show. Yeah, and this is this. I mean, your show is more is more following Lydia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, which is unusual for the cartoon or the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's strange and unusual, <laughs> you if might, you will. You might say. <laughs> I know. I was wondering how many like puns and references. We he, said, he said earlier, he's like, "There's so many good spirits in the in the show." I was like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, we uh, love a good yes. spirit. Yeah, we both meta always. and literal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um. I was reading an article uh, the other day saying that um, the the show the cast of Beetlejuice is just is destroying TikTok. Oh, oh, my, oh my gosh! gosh. Yes, <laughs> I mean Dana, do you want to touch on this? You are yes. absolutely. You're so, so many of them. You I are have the to window be honest. into Presley Bryan. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So Presley and I spend a lot of time together. She's like my little sister because we both cover Lydia, so we spend understudy rehearsal time together, and also. 
Um, just, I just adore her. I just think she is the most lovely child. And, um, well, and in DC, you, you were together a lot in the vocal booth. Yes, we yeah. were. T- that's really where it grew is in DC. They even dress alike sometimes too. Like <laughs> not, by yeah, not <laughs> unironically. <laughs> yeah. Unironically, we sometimes wear the same yeah. thing, um, which I'm not sure what that says about me. <laughs> but, um, but she's just really great. And yeah. I'm the oldest of four siblings. So my natural instinct is to like mother yeah, yeah. and like take someone under my wing. And she was just, she was there with just uh, basically, you know, a guardian and um, her parents were so great and they were like, oh, it's so sweet that you guys look out for her and she's just lovely. And she's introduced us um, in exchange for our guardianship to many things on social media and the internet (laughs) that we did not know about. Um, So she was like, you guys, there's this really cool new app. It's called TikTok. We're going to take it over. And I said, I don't know what you mean. She's like, no, it's really cool. People are doing like Beetlejuice numbers on there. Like a lot of people are singing Girl Scout and a lot of people are doing Dead Mom and Say My Name. So she showed us these videos and I, she said, oh, you should join. And I was like, I don't think I can join any more apps. Yeah. Like this is, <laughs> but I will participate in anything that you want me to do. So we have these like three minutes in the vocal booth uh, where it's Alex Brightman and Jill Abramovitz and Presley and I. And we let Presley pick whatever TikTok she wants, and she has two minutes to teach it to us, and then we just film it. And whatever happens, happens. And she started uploading them, and like little by little, I think as the cast album came out, and the Mm -hmm. more popular that became, and the show sort of started taking off, the more viewers we got. And all of a sudden, Presley had like 200,000 followers on TikTok. Well, and she went on for Lydia. She did <laughs> yeah. one with Alex. And Brightman. it has 3 million yeah. views. Yeah, I saw that's that crazy. one. Yeah. And the thing wow. the thing is, the thing that's cool about it is that it's just getting more and more people kind of interested in the show yeah. just because it's it's like people are interested in it and know about it even if they're not theater people because yes. of like certain like face filters that you can like switch to a crazy clown to yourself and people do that to say my name because it like is cool and works with the filter. Mm-hmm. So it's just like another like random weird like cult Yeah, thing. it's like yeah. finding a whole separate audience that I don't think we ever thought of. Yeah. And honestly, it's so funny because I think people talk about how our show sort of like took a slow climb and we were yeah. like chugging up this mountain and we all loved the show and believed in the show and mm-hmm. everyone who came to the show loved the show. But I think we were like fighting a little bit to uh, share it with the world yeah. um, and convince people to come. And I think that for some reason I we underestimate the power of social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with mm-hmm. our show especially, we have a girl at the center who's a teenager and I think – that has drawn a whole different audience. And then all of us are pretty accessible when people send us messages. Like I always try to respond or like it. And um, I think people really underestimate how that's going to affect and continue to Mm -hmm. affect different shows and ticket sales. And Mm -hmm. I think we've only seen an upward trend um, of how powerful that will be. I mean, the whole, a big theme in the show is feeling invisible, feeling like no one can see you. And, um, part of the social media phenomenon that's happening around musical theater is that you can find your tribe just like you walk into high school or like you yeah. walk into Stage Door Manor. You can <clears throat> find people that you connect with on just something as simple as a show yeah. and you can make an entire community based on this thing, which mm-hmm. is like something really incredible and um, I'm still wrapping my mind around yeah. as a as like an elder, like as a millennial. Yeah. Same. Yeah. As someone who's out of that age bracket, yeah. like the people that come to the stage door dressed up and they were like, we met on Instagram. We love the show. And <laughs> sh- this girl dressed up as Lydia and their friend yeah. who they met in Wisconsin 
uh, dressed as Beetlejuice and someone else dressed up as the Girl Scout. It, and they all met at the show and agreed to come to the city and like saved up so they could see the mm-hmm. show together oh, and so like cool. cosplay yeah, together. Like really incredible. Yeah. yeah. And, and the cosplay thing too, I yeah. think has mm-hmm. also been a whole separate yes. entity. And I'm really excited about Broadway con. Cause I feel like <laughs> oh, that's where we're really going to hit our stride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is great. Yeah. I got to start putting my costume together yeah. for Broadway <laughs> con. Are you going to be the shrunken head? <laughs> I should. Well, I just need to stand on Dana's shoulders. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. You guys could do like an Olsen twin. Yes. Like, yeah. I'm very strong. Like I've got this. Yeah. Let us be a box. <laughs> there was a whole song about a box. There was. At one sure point in Beetlejuice, so... <clears throat> Cut songs. How, yeah. How how much got changed? Um, Ooh, everything. Uh, everything. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this was a softball question. I know the answer to it because um, I I mm-hmm. talking with Alex Timbers. Yeah. We yeah. talked about the reviews, the mixed reviews that came out of DC. Yes. And people highs either, and lows. Yeah. People either yeah. loved it or hated it. And the show almost got completely reworked from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was saying too that like even the character of Beetlejuice that was a little bit too much, and they brought him back and they mm-hmm. gave him some mm-hmm. heart. And I mean, talk about your own. I mean, if if you had any, like, sort of the stress and anxiety of going through that. Oh, that time. Oh. <laughs> Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think. I mean, I don't think this is really any secret. Like, the, one of the biggest changes that affected us as the ensemble was the nether, the, the nether changing world. of the netherworld. So, yeah. in DC, it was um, essentially it was a boy band. That their their like sentence in the netherworld was to welcome people to the netherworld and explain kind of the rules how yeah. everything worked, and um, it was a lot of fun to do. It's like a very fun number, like, and that had been the it that had been one thing that had not changed since yeah. I started. It was always that, and it always like got a huge response. People loved it, and um, and so. And same in DC, it seems like people were really responding mm-hmm. to it. And then um, we did early rehearsals in January where they were like, we're going to try something different with yeah. the netherworld. And <laughs> it kind of like completely got scrapped. And there was a completely different concept, new number. Um, that, And that was challenging. Yeah. Yeah, that was challenging. Number one, it was... a. No, to be completely honest, it was a big a bit of an ego hit. Were you in the for boy me. band? Oh yeah, the, it was in the boy band. Me and Ramon were in the boy band. That's why the Mel Ensemble was so heavy too. It was like five because there were five yeah. guys oh. that had to carry this this <clears throat> like boy major member. singing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was you know as as those things always are. Like if you have like a nice like little like feature, a yeah. fun thing to do, and it gets taken away, that's like you know kind of a bummer. Um, and then it just the the um, the new number had to face a lot of. Um, challenges either foreseen or unforeseen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big test in my patience. Yeah, I just kind of to really that practice. One out. Yeah. Kind of like trusting what the, trusting that they know what's best, best for, for the, the show, show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and being willing to like be along for the ride, even if I am upset and stressed and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, was there yeah. ever any point when you guys are like, this, this isn't going to work? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, we all are artists as well. We all, like, have seen shows. We kind of know, like, how a show is going to do based uh-huh. on our own experiences. Yeah. And we're like, oh, I don't know about this. But again, it's one of those things where you're like, I'm just you're here like, we to trust? do what yeah. you yeah. me to do. We're the conduit for your work. You know? Yes. And I think that I think that we were, 
you know, we, there were times where we got to voice our concerns. There were times where we, where we just had to kind of stand back and be quiet and, and rehearse and do our thing. There's a lot of rehearsing in the lobby, figuring yeah. it out, yeah. making it happen. And I think that it was also something too, where like in the dress, in the, in the rehearsal room, we're in it in our normal clothes with no set, no lights, no yeah. any mm-hmm. of the spectacle. And for something like the netherworld, it really took what we were doing upstairs in like fluorescent light, like with the carpeting to like a completely different level that none of us really could see. At that could point. Yeah. see. We were blind mm-hmm. to yeah. it at that point. Yeah. I think. So I think it really, it really is a testament to the, um, our creatives and our, yeah. and our producers yeah. for really like sticking to their guns on that. Um, and just trusting and, and a lesson to me to try and yeah. always trust that everyone has the best interest of the show at heart. It was also one of those things where they were figuring it out as we were doing it. Yeah. So whereas we had questions to justify certain things that we were doing, they didn't have answers yet. They're like, just, mm-hmm. just yeah. figure just it out. We just need to see and, it and, and then we'll and figure it out. For and, it, you know? So yeah. that was pretty difficult trying to figure something out that wasn't a complete uh, idea, if you will. Yeah. But just making it work because, you know, I'm here in the space and... That's all that's I have to our do job. To try to, yeah, yeah, you know, make it. And work. I think anybody who does a new Broadway musical knows that the up like code for the upper lobby means you're completely reworking a number, and uh-huh. nobody yeah. wants oh, to go to the upper lobby. <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's like going to yeah. the principal's office. Yeah. So like awful, yeah. when they're like uh, ensemble, you'll be in the upper lobby with Connor or yeah, going like, for. We're like, like oh. Oh. Yeah. so oh, our yeah. joke, like it kind of became this yeah. running joke where we'd be like you'll be in the netherworld forever, (laughs) which is like one of um, Juno's lines. But um, ultimately I think we, yeah, we do all trust each other and we trusted and had faith in our creative team. But there were days where like you, you're under this lighting and you're upstairs and it's dim and you're like, I think my head's my, I can't absorb anymore. And I want to bang my head against a wall a little bit because I feel like we've been working on this one count of eight for four and a half hours. And what has actually changed? (laughs) And then you're like, wait, what happened? (laughs) And then like before you do it, you're like, am I doing the same thing I was doing? I'm I'm confused. Are we on version A or C? Yeah. I was also doing whole 30 at the time. So I, (laughs) so I couldn't drink and I don't recommend that <laughs> i don't recommend making a new musical yeah. without a vice no. but, I, but i think every new musical goes through this and yeah. everybody has that oh, yeah. there's always one number or one yeah. thing yeah. and what's interesting is i think it's normally the opening of act one and the opening of act two and mm-hmm. those were never things that were a problem no. no so it was just we had this one thing but i think ultimately we got to a place that uh is very, very successful. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It is the middle of Act 2 also, so it yeah. kind of gets you over the hump of Act mm-hmm. 2 to the end of the show. So I do understand that. Yeah. I, I want to – I just want to stress for, for the people listening that – I mean – when you're when you're teching a show or when you're working uh-huh. a show or whatever, you're you're performing at night, but what you've rehearsed that day could be completely different. So you're like like you said, version B, right? Yeah. So oh, you're, that's you're doing previews you're do, too. That's right, yeah. right, so, right they're So you're doing version B rehearsing yeah. during the day, but you're doing A again at night, and then you have yeah. to do B the next night, but then mm-hmm. rehearse for well, C the following morning. It has to get teched also, you have to yeah. remember before yeah. it goes on stage. So we would be you rehearse Version you're doing version A at night. You're mm-hmm. rehearsing version B the next in the day. lobby, yeah. but it's not going in until the day after you tech after it. you mm-hmm. tech it. So like sometimes you have two different versions or three different versions, yeah, and you're not super sure which one's going on stage that evening. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and there was a moment when we were doing creepy old guy. <laughs> there was a dance break that got new music and 
we learned new choreography for this dance, but I don't think the music was ready yet. And <laughs> the information got passed to the ensemble that we were doing a certain version of the number. That we were doing the old version. Yeah, but the information didn't get passed to the orchestra. Oh, so no. literally, they're playing <laughs> a, shortened version. a shortened version of this dance break that we worked on earlier that we weren't doing that night. So literally, we're like dancing. It's different music. It's maybe about four bars cut and... Everyone just we all just kind crazy. of ran, and we're yeah. and we're supposed. To, it gave us like an eight count to where we were supposed to just freeze. Yeah. So we everyone just oh kind of gosh. like stopped and ran and yeah. tried their best to freeze on their number, but like that was why someone got stuck center stage, like next to Beetlejuice, <laughs> like in a spotlight. It was just madness. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like it's also what yeah. makes it yeah. really those fun. Yeah. You know, because those are the things you remember, and you can yeah. at the time it yeah. doesn't seem as funny, but like ten minutes later, yeah. it's yeah. the funniest like, thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it helps helps uh, helps get through previews when yes. those kind of moments happen because there, it just like is like a catharsis of laughter yeah. and fun yes. and, and that yeah. we again don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. We're, we're making a musical at the end of the day. No yeah. one's gonna die. Yeah. And there are days you're out there and you're saying lyrics and you're like, are these lyrics? Yeah. Is this the one I'm supposed to say today? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Also, we were wearing skeleton masks, yeah. so you couldn't Everyone's see our faces laughing. like losing it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to part one of this bonus episode with Elliot Maddox, Ramon Owens, and Dana Steingold from the Beetlejuice Ensemble. Stay tuned. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.